All right, I have a question as we're getting started today. So by show of hands, who woke up today? Who woke up today? All right, yeah, basically everyone. Unless you work night shift or you don't sleep. Uh, so who's still waking up today? Anybody? Yep, I'm there with you. Tell your neighbor, I woke up today. I go like, yeah, you woke up today. The common human experience, right? You're all like, man, this is why I came to church, to talk about how I woke up today. Weird. Who wakes up every day? All of us. All right, we get the point, Jesse. We wake up. Well, for all of humanity, we people wake up every single day. We wake up. Uh, and <clears throat> no matter who we are, and some of us, I would say probably a majority of us, wake up with smelly breath, drool on the pillow, anyone just like totally disheveled when you wake up every day, kind of useless in the morning. Well, all humanity has been that way. Uh, historical figures like Alexander the Great to Socrates to Jesus to present day figures like any president of the United States that ever lived wakes up in the morning probably with smelly breath and drool on the pillow. Even Tom Ledford wakes up every day. I, I think we need to include him in every sermon during this one message series. But So we all wake up every single day and depending on who you are and what life has dealt you, that waking up in the morning can feel very differently. Maybe you just had one of the best moments or days of your life. You just got married. You had a kid. You got a promotion, got the job you've always dreamt of having. And so you wake up the next day kind of brimming with excitement, hopeful about the day ahead, hopeful about the future, anticipating what's to come. Maybe you had the day before one of the most embarrassing moments of your life, and you're kind of dreading the day ahead. Anyone ever have an embarrassing moment? So one that I look back on, I was in fifth grade, and we took a field trip. I think we were in fifth grade. We took a field trip to go bowling. Is that normal? Do you guys, did you take a field trip to go bowling? Okay, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so, <laughs> but we went bowling. And so in fifth grade, fifth grade Jesse wanted to impress all the ladies with his bowling skills. Who in here considers themselves bad at bowling? Okay, I was worse. So I'm here, I'm winding up, and I want to throw it as hard as I can to impress the ladies. And I go, and I'm, I'm ready. And I, you know, the ladies, I imagine they're all looking at me because I'm, you know, I just assume that. And so I wind up, I release. It's just a beautiful moment. Whack! You're not supposed to be a whack when you throw a bowling ball, but there was. Because, you see, there were gutter guards up, and gutter guards usually make it kind of impossible to fail when you're bowling. But there, the gutter guard here, I, I threw the ball from so far back that somehow I hit the edge of the gutter guard, the gutter guard fell down and the ball inched forward and stopped, like six feet into the lane. So here I am, I want to salvage my reputation. I'm like, if I just get the ball, I can throw it again and the teacher doesn't have to come save me. So I kind of like try to make my way out, fall on my butt. And I, I, I slip and slide trying to get the ball and all the, all the kids are laughing, the ladies laugh. How did I feel the next day waking up? Embarrassed. I did not want to, I didn't want to go to school anymore. I didn't want to see any of them ever again. <laughs> but we have days like that. But maybe we also have days where we wake up 
after a day filled with regrets. You know, maybe that's because of the way that we treated someone in our life, the way that we spoke to someone dear to us, a choice that we made, decisions that we made. So we wake up kind of with this heaviness, like, man, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I've had a lot of days like that too. Or maybe we wake up following one of the greatest tragedies of our lives where we're heavy. We didn't know we could go through something as miserable and as painful as we're going through. And so we wake up in the morning and hope seems like an afterthought. We just don't want to get out of bed. And it's hard. Don't know how to move forward. I've had a lot of days like that too. Why don't you, every one of us, we wake up every single day and we wake up in the middle of our stuff, the stuff that we're going through, good and bad. We wake up every single day. And my question today is, how do we wake up to a new day with hope no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're experiencing? So we're going to kind of explore the life of Peter together today and some of Peter's experiences and, and how he woke up and how that might help us see how we could experience hope. So Peter, the Apostle Peter, he was kind of a, he was a guy, he was a dude. He was a fisherman back in the first century. Got, he woke up every single day. He got dressed, got ready to go fishing. He did his chores. He fed the chickens. He played with, um, you know, his friends. He, he, you know, he did things. He ate food. He went to the bathroom. He went to bed, and he woke up every single day. And I, I wonder what some of those mornings were like for him. I wonder what it was like to wake up the day after he met Jesus. So, Peter had been out fishing. He's a fisherman. He'd been out fishing all night long with his brother Andrew. James and John were also fishing. And he was with his crew. They're fishing hard. They catch nothing. Coming back, kind of defeated. They come up to shore. And there's this man teaching Jesus. And so Jesus is teaching there on the shore. And I'm sure Peter's kind of intrigued by this Jesus, this rabbi. And then Peter, or Jesus says, Peter, put your, take your boat out again and let down your nets again. Okay, another person that thinks they can do their job better than me. But he listens to Jesus. Peter and his companions, they take their boat out again. They let down their nets. And I imagine that you could feel the boat start to pull as the fish swam into their net. And so they're, they're trying to pull up the net here. The strings are breaking on the net. They're probably laughing like, what is going on? And amidst this, Peter looks back at shore, probably locks eyes with Jesus and thinks, who is this? Shortly after they come back to shore, Peter declares his faith in Jesus, and he starts this wild journey of following him, walking with him. I wonder what that would have felt like the next day, to wake up after that. Like, is this real? Is this really life? Like, who am I following now? Who is this Jesus? Has everything changed for me? 
And I imagine he felt that a lot of days, like after the feeding of the 5,000 or after the transfiguration or after Jesus, he, he healed lepers and the blind. Peter woke up after those days. But there were other days too. I, I wonder what it was like for Peter when he woke up after one of the most exhilarating but embarrassing moments of his life. So, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and fish. After the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus tells the disciples, go on over to the other side of the lake. So they head out. It's the middle of the night. The winds are heavy. The waves are heavy. There's probably a thick mist over the lake. And the disciples, they look out into the distance and they see this figure coming toward them on the water, walking on the water, a, a per, they're pretty sure a person. And if I'm in this scenario, I'm probably freaking out. I think I somehow entered a horror movie and we're goners. But the disciples, they're, they're, they're scared, they're terrified. And scripture says that G, uh, the words came out, do not be afraid, it is I. It's Jesus. And in that moment, I don't know what got into Peter's head, but Peter says, okay, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to walk towards you. Like, tell me to walk on the water. Was that like a bluff? Like, who responds that way? I, at least that's what I think in this moment. I, I don't, is this just a bluff, Peter? Like, okay, Jesus, do you, if it's really you, tell me to walk on the water. Jesus says, Come. Peter gets out of the boat. In one step after another, he walks toward Jesus on the water. I imagine his eyes fixed on Jesus's, this astonishing human in front of him, his eyes fixed on him. But then he looks off to the side and he sees the waves. He sees that he's in the middle of the lake walking on water and he starts to sink. He panics. His heart's pounding. He's falling. And Jesus saves him, takes him to the boat. He's safe. But then Jesus scolds him for his lack of faith. I wonder if the disciples kind of razzed him after that, like, Peter, you thought you could walk on water. <laughs> but the next day, they woke up. Peter woke up the next day. And had, what do you think was, I wonder how he felt you know, did he feel like giving up? Man, I fell into the water in front of everyone. Jesus scolded me for not having enough faith. Maybe I should give up. On another occasion, I wonder what it was like for Peter when he went through one of the greatest tragedies of his life, on one of the worst days of his life. It was evening. The Passover meal was underway, and they, the disciples were with Jesus sharing a meal, and it was honestly kind of an awkward meal. It was tense. Jesus did some interesting things. He had washed his disciples' grimy, nasty feet, which was typically the job of a servant, and then Jesus said some pretty confusing things. You know, these disciples, they're the people that are the closest in the world to Jesus, and he said, one of you are going to betray me. 
And so this meal is tense. It's awkward. Has anyone ever been to a really tense family get-together, maybe extended family, in-laws, I don't know, because, and it gets tense because someone said something. Well, Jesus was saying some things. And the meal wraps up as they, they share their bread and wine, and they sing a hymn. And then a few short moments later, Jesus and Peter get in this heated exchange. Because Jesus says that all of the disciples, they're going to abandon him. Peter doesn't go for that. Peter's like, no, Jesus, I will never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I would die for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. It was a few short hours later. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is in agony. He's heavy with the weight of everything on his shoulders and what's to come. And he's praying. He asks his disciples to be there in prayer for him and with him. He needs them. And you know what they do? Fall asleep. They fall asleep. In Jesus' moment of need, Peter falls asleep in Jesus' moment of need. And they wake up as a crowd is on its way. They, they hear the murmuring and chattering in the distance and see the flames flicker as this crowd comes to arrest Jesus. And as they're coming, the, I imagine the disciples are probably nervous. They're scared. They're, they're maybe a bit heated, like, okay, this is our moment. We're ready. And Peter takes out his sword and he swings for, I don't know if he's just swinging at air or what, but he cuts off a servant's ear. And Jesus says, stop. He heals the servant, and Jesus lets himself be taken away. And as he does, the disciples watch, and Peter, probably filled with fear, grief, anger, he follows along after. And throughout that night, Peter watches. He kind of watches from afar. As Jesus is questioned, he's spat on, he's beaten, people saying the worst of things to his teacher. Peter watches from afar. And it's in that kind of darkest moment of night, that like the dark right before the dawn, Peter is standing by a lonely fire trying to stay warm when someone says, you, you followed Jesus. You're, you're one of his followers. No, no, I'm not. I know, I'm pretty sure you are. No, another person recognizes him. They're like, you sound like, you sound, you talk the same. I'm pretty sure you're one of his followers. No, I tell you, and he calls curses down. In that moment, in the distance, Jesus looks and they lock eyes again. Like that time when Peter's maybe on the boat looking at Jesus from the shore, they lock eyes. But this time, both filled with tears, and Peter knows what he did as the rooster crows. And it was that next day that Jesus was flogged, he was brutally beaten, hung on a cross, and killed, and then buried in a tomb. I wonder what it was like for Peter to wake up the day after that, the day after he betrayed his leader, his teacher, his Jesus, hope gone, joy vanished, knowing what he had done. How's he going to move forward? What's he going to do? 
Peter thought that Jesus was going to give him a whole new world, and that's gone. Peter thought that like a new kingdom would come, and he had this, this excitement for the future. But Jesus, you, you left us. You let them kill you. What now? How do we go on? We all wake up every single day, and we wake up with our stuff, with our pains, our baggage, our sorrows and frustration, regrets and hang-ups. My question is, like, how do we continue on? How would Peter have continued on? Some of us, we just live with it. We, we just continue to wake up every single day kind of in the same place with the same, same baggage weighing us down, never changing, always stuck, lacking hope, and any semblance of a vision for our futures. Some of us, we kind of shove it. We have different methods of shoving it away, um, coping in different ways, thinking that, you know, if I, just, if I ignore it long enough, I'll be fine. And maybe you stop feeling it over time, but if you're honest, you, you don't feel much else either. As people, we wake up every single day. My question is how can we wake up to a new day? How can we wake up to a new day and wake up to hope again? That even after some of life's greatest tragedies and mistakes, we could wake up in hope. I think our society is desperately in need of hope. When you look around, uh, the the conspiracies abound that are as dark as the night. We live in a society that's lonelier than ever. According to statistics, about 50% of people in this room would say that they're lonely. We live in a society that's more addicted than ever, pursuing anything and everything to try to escape our pain. And through our days, regretting our choices and experiencing personal tragedy, seeing other people's tragedies, we start to feel helpless. But what if we could wake up to a new day and experience a hope that keeps us anchored no matter what is going on in our world or in society around us, that we could feel a hope that keeps us strong. I wonder what it was like for Peter to wake up the day after his life changed again forever. So the the past several days had probably been filled with a lot of what-ifs and shoulds, you know, what if, we had, what if we had fought back? What if we had, we should, have, we should have been there for Jesus? What if we had done more? We should have done more. The disciples just hunkered down, afraid, like, what if they come for us next? And it was early in the morning. The birds were singing. I, I love the sound of the birds in the morning and the summer. Like, I imagine the birds singing and the sun rising over the horizon as this new day's beginning, this new day's starting, when everything was about to change. But amidst that, Peter longed for the old. He, he probably tried to get himself out of bed to get to work, do the chores, take care of the chickens. And I imagine he had nothing left in him. How could he do this? How could he go through it? But he managed to get up, got himself dressed for the day. You know, he's going he's gonna to do it. And at the start of this 
kind of miserable, sad day for him, the door burst open. And they took the Lord out of the tomb. The, the tomb is empty. Whoa, 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 Mary, slow down. Mary, what are you talking about? Like, rewind, tell me what happened. And Mary went on to say that Jesus' body is gone and the tomb is empty and Peter's, Peter and John are both there. They're like, what is going on? So they start sprinting for the tomb. They need to know for themselves what is going on. And so they start running. And they're running. I imagine Peter's heart is pounding. He's like, what could this mean? Like, did someone steal his body? What's going on? And so they're running toward the tomb. And I imagine through the mist, maybe he sees the tomb in the distance. And it does look like the stone has rolled, rolled away. I don't know. And he gets closer. And it is. He goes inside. And there's just the cloths that would have wrapped Jesus' body. What is going on? Bewildered, James, or John and Peter go home. They start to gather up the disciples, and they're all together speculating about what had happened, who took Jesus' body, why they'd even do it, you know, are they going to come for us too? And in the midst of them being together, again, the door burst open and the, Mary's voice calls out, I have seen him. I have seen the Lord. He's alive. I, I, I'd imagine if I was in this scenario, I might, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be skeptical. Like, Mary, I know we're all trying to, to cope in different ways, and, but whatever those fishermen sold you, you shouldn't have taken it. But Mary is declaring something they couldn't believe. Jesus is alive. Throughout the day, their minds are racing, hearts pounding as they hunker down, wondering about everything, you know, about things. Mary said, the empty tomb, angels, what does all of this mean? I'm sure they're afraid, but they have this glimmer of hope starting to be born again inside of them. And I imagine a conversation kind of like this. You know, hot-headed Peter, he's like, uh, well, everyone, I think we need to go ahead and get ready for war. Jesus said he's ushering in a new kingdom. This is the, probably the start of it. Let's get ready for battle. John's like, Peter, Peter, Peter. Jesus said we need to love our enemies. He wouldn't want us to do that. And James chimes in. Yeah, do you remember that time that Jesus, I mean, we actually wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans, but Jesus stopped us. Yeah, you guys are right, Peter said, but I just don't understand. Like, what does all of this mean? Is what Mary said really true? And amidst it, amidst them together, like an imperceptible sort of breeze goes through the air. They feel a chill down their spine as they sense that they're not alone anymore. They're not the only ones in this room. Their heads start to turn as they hear the familiar, strong, caring words of their teacher. Brothers, peace be with you. And Peter, as he heard those words, probably almost as if Jesus was speaking them right into his soul, he turned around and there he was, the one who changed everything. The one that, who healed lepers and he told me to walk on water. He's the one who looked me in the eyes as I betrayed him. The one I saw die, my teacher, my, my, my Jesus. And they probably looked in each other's eyes again and Peter knew 
everything was changing and everything was going to be okay. I wonder what it was like for Peter to wake up that next day after he looked Jesus in the eyes again, this one who he betrayed, and Jesus embraced him and said, brother, peace be with you in spite of his betrayal. I imagine that he had an indescribable hope, probably feeling unstoppable, because he knew that his Jesus was alive And no matter what yesterday held, he was loved and he was accepted today. That Jesus is alive, and no matter what yesterday held, he's loved and accepted today. When we wake up to a new day, we can have hope because Jesus is not dead anymore but he is alive. And no matter what yesterday held, no matter what mistakes were made, no matter what choices we've made or what tragedy we've been through, Jesus is alive and you are loved and you are accepted. Peter, he's kind of this remarkable character in the Bible. He, a lot of stories are told about him because he's one of Jesus' closest followers. And he, he has moments where he's hot-headed and kind of goes off the rail and makes a fool of himself. And other moments when he's just, he's strong. He actually becomes one of the founding leaders of the church. Not only do we have these remarkable stories about Peter, but he also wrote two letters in the New Testament, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. I'd encourage you to read them. But from Peter's words, he gives what I believe is kind of the secret to waking up to a new day. And I want to share this with you as we're wrapping up, kind of like a, if if there was a truth that you believed when you woke up every day, this is it. These are the words of Peter, the man who walked with Jesus, experienced all of that, betrayed him, and got to see him risen from the dead. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance, friends, is kept in heaven for you who through your faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Now, though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Friends, we can wake up to a new day because, like Peter, Jesus gives us 
new life, new birth into a living hope, an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That's the promise of God to us. And so when when the world around us is spinning, when the waves are crashing, when we've made mistakes that we regret, we're anchored in this, this hope. We still will go through pain and struggles and trials, but we have this hope of a new day and a Jesus that is alive and who loves us no matter what yesterday held. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you, that you give us new birth into living hope, a hope that can never perish because we have this, this gift, Jesus, and the gift is you. So Lord, I know that there are people hearing the sermon today who they do regret yesterday, and I ask that you free them because of your grace, your forgiveness, and your love, and that you help them to walk in a new way today. There's, there's others in this room who are in the midst of deep pain. They're suffering, Father. And you don't say that you'll just take that pain away, but God, I ask that you meet them there and you give them a hope because, Jesus, you're, you're alive and you're with them. And they have a promise of eternity with you without pain or suffering or any trial anymore. Jesus, we praise you and thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.